Hi, Dr. Brett Hill here. It's back to school time, and one thing us parents don't want is kids coming home complaining of sore feet. The flat, wide, and flexible shoes in the Vivo Barefoot Kids range is the perfect fit for your child's feet to grow up healthy and strong the way they're designed to. And the great news, the Wellness Couch listeners can get 30% off the Vivo Barefoot range until the 1st of February 2016. All you have to do is go to www.souldistribution.com.au forward slash the wellness couch. That's S-O-L-E distribution.com.au forward slash the wellness couch and enter the code the wellness couch. Vivo Barefoot, the original barefoot shoe since 2003. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food reel with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hi team and welcome back to the Real Food Reel. Today I am again joined by Kale Brock from kalebrock.com.au and we discuss all things gut health and fat loss. This will be a cracker of an episode where we cover everything from microbiome diversity to the popularity of the multi-level marketing scheme, Isogenics. Let's dive in. Hi, Kale, and welcome back to the show. Steph, hello. Thanks for having me, mate. It's good to have you here. I'm very happy to be with you. Awesome. So I'm really excited for you to share with us um, a little bit about uh, a study that you wrote an article about recently. Now, it's a 2013 study called the cultured gut microbiota from twins discordant for obesity modulate <laughs> anyway, yeah it really my point name. is <laughs> <laughs> my point is we can give um, our listeners the link but it was published in science journal um, but i wanted you to share with us a little bit about this study and its relevance to our topic today yeah, so obviously we're talking about the gut today and uh, a, a big sort of finding that science has sort of landed on over the past couple of decades is that gut bacteria seem to determine our weight outcomes to, to a large extent. Um, so there have been a lot of studies being conducted by um, some researchers focusing on twins in, in real life and some of those guys are like Tim Spector who wrote The Diet Myth and some of the, some of the other teams in America and stuff like that. And basically the study I talked about um, in, in that particular blog post, I might, I might even just read it here, the, uh, the study was published in Science in 2000, uh, 2013. It took two groups of germ-free mice. So these are mice born via C-section, okay? So they're effectively sterile. They don't have any bacteria. And what they did, they inoculated them with, with two different groups of bacteria or two types of bacteria. One type was labelled obese bacteria and the other was lean. Okay, Now, these different bacterial groups were actually harvested from human beings. Okay, And importantly, they were, they were harvested from twins. Okay, So you account for those genetic factors when you do that. Now, um, under the criteria, one of the twins actually had to be obese. Oh, lovely timing, beautiful truck coming past. <laughs> and and the, the other had to be lean. Okay, so we had a lean twin and an obese twin. And they took poo from both of these twins and they labelled them obese bacteria. They, they harvested the bacteria from the poo and they labelled it lean bacteria. Okay, so they had these two different groups of bacteria. Okay, and what they did, they took these different harvests and they actually inoculated the different groups of mice with those sort of harvests. Okay, so and and all the mice were kept in these um, sort of little areas. They were fed the same diet. This you know commercial sterilized mouse chow. Okay, low in fat, probably not the best food, but they're all getting the same food. Okay. And uh, yeah, there were, there were significantly different outcomes for each group. Okay, so they were fed the same diet. They had um, pretty much the same activity levels. 
but they had these really different outcomes in terms of their um, their health. Okay, so the mice inoculated with the obese bacteria, so the bacteria we harvested from the obese twins' poo, they actually gained significantly more weight than those mice inoculated with the lean community of bacteria. Okay, and this was actually reproducible across experiments. So obviously, anyone involved in science knows that in order for um, something to be considered uh, causal, if you will, it needs to be duplicatable. So it needs to be able to be done again and again and again and again. Um, now, I'm trying to actually look for the for the numbers and the weight. was a significant weight difference, okay? So what they showed in that particular study was that bacteria was determining how much, how many calories were harvested from your food and actually stored as fat. Now, we're going to talk a lot about it today, but there are a few mechanisms by which that can work. Okay, it doesn't necessarily mean that these obese bacteria just harvest more calories from your food because you would actually think that that might be a little bit advantageous from a physiological perspective, especially during times of food shortage. Okay, um, and I mean, interject here, but we could go on and talk about how the bacteria actually influence our immune system and how that in turn influences our weight. So, I mean, regardless, it, it's it's quite an impressive study and it's one that has been referenced a lot and um, it's rightly so. And uh, I think the website that you can go to to check it out is called like uh, uktwins.org. Anyway, look up Tim Spector, S-P-E-C-T-O-R, and he's doing a lot of the work uh, and it's, it's really, really interesting stuff. Don't you reckon? Yeah, I think it's a fantastic study and you're right. For a long time, we looked at the role of microbiomes as pretty much being digestion, full stop. Yeah. But since, I think, early 2000s, we've seen a lot of studies um, that not only show us that gut bacteria alter the way we store fat, but some of the other reasons that you've touched on, including balancing glucose levels in the blood and hormonal responses to satiety with the influence of the hormone leptin. Um, so it's a huge area and there's you know obviously a number of different influences of the bacterial species on an overall outcome. Mm, definitely. I think one of the main I think one of the main functions and um, oh, what's his name? Mike Mutzel talks about this. He's a nutritionist from the States. Uh, talks about how when and, and John Elliman talks about this too, when your gut, when your gut microflora are imbalanced, so when you have more pathogenic bacteria than good bacteria, your immune system gets switched on basically. Uh it, it's in fight mode, fight or flight mode. It's not in a relaxed state. So how that works is you have these wonderful receptors for the immune system around your gut lining, okay? And they actually always talk with the bacteria. So when you have, or I say microbes actually because, you know, you have more than just bacteria, but we'll just, you know, use them interchangeably now. So your immune system, picture it, it's sort of like a dashboard on the side of your gut lining, okay? There's this dashboard here and that speaks to the rest of your body. When you have healthy microbes within your gut, you're actually sending off calm, peaceful messages that downregulate inflammation and they increase your resistance to disease okay and in that you actually balance blood sugar better you have a healthy insulin response and and all that sort of stuff a cortisol healthy cortisol levels when you have pathogenic microbes so this is unhealthy microbes out of balance what you're doing you're telling the immune system you're telling that dashboard which connects to the entire body okay, we're going to downregulate your resistance to infection and we're going to increase the levels of inflammation in the body. Okay, so when we talk about the immune system, it's really good to talk. look at it like exercise. Okay, so exercise is really, really good, but it's a stress on the body, right? So you need to do it in moderation. So obviously, if you're exercising 12 hours a day, that's not such a good thing. Or 24 hours a day, you're probably going to burn out, right? But if you exercise one or two hours a day, you get a lot of benefit from it. Okay, so it's the same with the immune system. If we're telling our immune system to sprint all day long, like in the case if we have an infection of unhealthy microbes, telling that dashboard that something's wrong, okay, your immune system's going to go into sprint mode. Okay, now the, the problem with that is you actually don't turn off. So what that means is you've actually got higher cortisol levels, which we know has a, a large influence on health and also gaining weight. 
And what also happens is your um, your cells actually become a little bit resistant to sugar. Okay, that or they become more prone to burning sugar. Okay, and they'll actually they'll burn out because again, when we talk about the exercise sort of example there, when you do a short fast sprint, what are you burning? You're burning sugar, right? You're burning muscle glucose and all that sort of stuff. When you do a long slow walk, or you know if you're really fat adapted and you do a long slow run and stuff like that, you actually burn fat. It's the same thing. Okay, so when your cells are burning sugar all the time, they're running out, okay, and you actually you stress out the immune system, okay, and your, your body has to compensate that with high cortisol levels, and that obviously means that you are, you're storing more weight. So I think that is one of the, one of the biggest um, mechanistic sort of factors in that whole equation is that if you have an infection, you're actually stressing the body, and it's like having a, a low-grade sort of level of high levels of inflammation shooting around the body. And obviously, when that happens, it's very it's very hard to get healthy. Yeah, I think that was a fantastic summary. It's essentially the the flow-on effect of how microbiomes can, um, how your microbiome has that influence on. Um, certainly the glucose levels, but mm. that can come from the exercise influence and then the hormonal response, which means fat storage. And certainly for a lot of people, it's that that um, insatiable hunger, which then keeps them going yeah. around and around in circles. Yes, absolutely. And you know, as we as we all know, when you're when you're starving and you and you're craving more sugar, then it's pretty hard to say no to, especially when we've got it so readily available. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the fantastic um, findings from this study was in relation to diversity, and um, I think what you know what I wanted to chat to you about next was the importance of diversity, and certainly. Um, how we can start to, I guess, create this this environment on a more practical level. Um, I love this analogy that comes from um, Martin Blazer, who's a researcher mm. at New York University. He refers to a gut community in lean people um, as like a rainforest brimming with many species, whereas the gut community in obese people is quite like a pond that's relatively um, where relatively few species would live. Yeah. So yeah, can you talk to us about the the importance of diversity? Um, and in the study, I know um, there was fifty four varieties of bacteria that was transferred from lean to obese mice. Uh, I, I can't remember the numbers. It's yeah. it's a big study, but yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to us more about that. With the Okay, so this, this sort of idea comes from when we study indigenous populations, when we study populations uh, living naturally sort of outside of the Western world, what we've found is that their levels of microbial diversity, that is the number of different species of bacteria, yeast, viruses, protozoans, parasites, that they have inside of them is way more, way more spread or way more um, various than, than we have here in the West, okay? And they also happen to experience much better health out there, okay? They don't have that sort of stuff. Now, added to that as a sort of subcategory to that, we have people in the West where, like you said, the, the lean people tend to have a wider variety of bacteria um, and the, the obese people tend to have a, a fewer variety of bacteria. So... What we're doing there, we're actually um, we're presuming that that's sort of that's a marker for gastrointestinal health. Um, now that may be the case, but there's also an argument that um, the microbes are simply a reflection of your of your environment of where you live. Okay, so this is this is a good time to speak about the Yanomami, which which are a people who are a people in the Amazon, and you know they live off. 80 to 90% carbohydrate diet. You know, they live off a lot of roots and tubers and fruits and stuff like that. Now, I would look at that over here and be like, well, you know, it's not the healthiest way to live, but these people are really, really healthy. Now, it turns out that they actually have a parasite in them that actually helps deal with all that extra starchy carbohydrate, actually helps chew up any excess starch. Mm. Now, that's passed on from generation to generation, and that's a reflection of their environment. Okay, now what we have here in the West is some severely, I suppose, compromised, you could say, um, microbiomes because we're, we're living indoors now. We're not exposed to soil and water and stuff like that so much anymore. So um, 
is that such a such a huge part of the equation? I think it's yet to be fully determined um, because it is such a reflection of our environment. Now, if you were living with the Maasai in Africa who are consuming a truckload of dairy all the time, now their bacteria would be a reflection of the the amount of dairy that they consume. So we could assume they have lots of lactobacillus and lots of bifidobacteria as well. Now, over here, obviously, we're consuming some... You know some questionable foods, um, and and that's leading to um, different groups of microbes. So it could be that people who are lean are actually just choosing to eat healthier foods, and maybe they also run outdoors more. Maybe they go swimming more, and as a result of that, they actually have a wider microbiome. So I think we're yet to we're yet to really see whether that's a huge factor in the weight equation because, you know, we do have specific groups of bacteria like some lactobacillus species and some bifidobacterium species that individually they work really well in in people. So I think as we sort of move on and as we continue to look at the ramifications of how many antibiotics we've taken, um, how much stress people have been under, how much Wi-Fi we're exposed to, how many medications we've taken beyond antibiotics, you know, all these things affect the microbiome. We've been very clinical about destroying the microbiome. We may have to be very clinical about replacing the microbiome. So it might not be the answer to go, okay, everybody needs to widen the variety of bacteria they have in their guts now because some people have severe leaky gut, some people have an imbalance of, they, they might even have an overgrowth of lactobacillus bacteria. So, it's hard to go across the board and say everybody needs to have wild fermented cabbage, wild sauerkraut and kombucha and all this sort of stuff. They've got to sort of, to an extent, I think, especially if you've got an illness, you've actually got to get a little bit clinical about it because we've been so clinical about going the other direction. Okay, so um, that's where I think the future will sort of um, go. I think we'll have doctors and naturopaths and stuff, really working on analyzing people's microbiomes individually, seeing where they're at with their gut health. Do they have leaky gut? Do they have a healthy gut lining? And then seeing which bacteria they need to put back in. Now, I think it's very different if you've grown up and you're one of those very few lucky people who perhaps didn't get jabbed when you were younger, I won't say the V word, um, didn't take antibiotics when you were younger, didn't grow up on tap water, didn't have sugar, all these things that disrupt the microbiome, maybe the answer is for you to just go out and eat dirt and eat sauerkraut and kombucha and all that sort of stuff. But if you're coming into this with a, with a health issue, the answer may not be to just widen your microbiome and increase the diversity of the microbiome. That may be a marker for health down the track and it may just be a result of eating lots of salad and exercising, which we know has a positive influence on the microbiome and all those other sort of things that we associate with health. But I think the answers generally are always going to come back to eating real food first because that way we can get back to your base microbiome anyway. So to increase this really long answer to your question, <laughs> when, you, when you are born, you're actually given your microbiome template, so to speak. So mum's been living, let's say mum's been walking around Adelaide, where I'm from. She's been hanging around at Grange Beach. She's been swimming at Grange. She's been running around the park. She's been sneaking onto the golf course playing golf. And, and there happens to be very specific bacteria and parasites around this area at Grange, in the park, in the golf course, all that sort of stuff. She'll actually pass on those bacteria, those microbes to her children so that they can thrive in this environment too. Okay, so that actually will go in, they're called segmented filamentous bacteria. That's your initial sort of inoculation. And those bacteria, those microbes go into your system and they tell the system, okay, look, just chill out for a moment. We're going to come in and inoculate. And these are the bacteria that you're going to have to get used to for the rest of your life. So that depends on what your mum ate as well and how she lived. Okay, so it's a reflection of her environment. Now, if we're going to go ahead and massively change that and say that, okay, well, everybody needs to take 
really large amounts of lactobacillus acidophilus, that may not be a reflection of your um, template microbiome. Okay, so your immune system might switch on and say, hang on, I didn't get told about this guy. Who is this? I'm going to turf it out. So we've got instances where bacteria or yeast, something like Saccharomyces boulardii, which is a very popular sort of well-studied um, yeast, beneficial yeast, that in some people causes issues, okay? So if you've got leaky gut and that moves into the bloodstream where it's not meant to be, you might see someone start getting rash or headachey and stuff like that, which is quite common with Saccharomyces boulardii and fermented foods. So again, it, it just comes down to where we're at individually. And, you know, as I sort of keep researching into this huge equation, which gets more complex the more you even study into it, I think that's where we're going to have to go. We're going to have to start looking at individual microbiomes and saying what's best for the individual. And as much as I don't want to tell everyone to go and get like a poo sample and get your bacteria tested, if you've got severe health challenges, and that's probably where you're going to have to go. If you don't and you're just listening to this going, hang on, you know, you're getting too complex. I just want to feel better, run better, stay healthy, blah, blah, blah. And all you have to do is eat real food because when you eat real food, and we're talking about lots of salad, we're talking about healthy animal protein, healthy carbohydrates, healthy fats. When you do that, you actually naturally fall back to your template microbiome anyway. So if you've taken 45 antibiotic courses in your life, maybe you might have wiped out that initial template, but chances are you've still got some little seedlings in there, okay? And they will grow back when you start to reduce the inflammation in the gut and really give your body what it needs. And that's just real food, okay? And then you can go from there. Yeah, I mean, you make some fantastic points. I think certainly the advances in science mean that we can start to personalise these things, which is obviously where it has to be, particularly mm. for someone that does have a health issue. I think if we can personalise this down to individual requirements rather than everyone just going crazy on every gut health food that hits the shelves or <laughs> every yeah. recipe that's posted on Facebook, um, it does give us the, I guess, the insight that it's not, more is more, as you and I have discussed before, and it's certainly not um, necessarily a template that applies to everyone. Um, yeah. I love the point you make certainly about it all coming from real food because too many people are looking for a magic pill and I think ultimately you need to have your building blocks in, pay in place first and yeah. real food is where the building blocks begin and then we can start to look at um, gut health and, and so on and so forth. But we always, always need to keep that foundation. Yeah, and just living naturally. Who knows? Like maybe in the future we're going to find out that, hang on, being outdoors somehow and vitamin D stimulates your microbiome to replenish itself. Or we'll find something like that, I'm absolutely sure. So living as naturally as possible as well, you know, moving every day, um, being outdoors, not sitting all the time, all that sort of stuff, being being happy and, folk and mindfulness and all that sort of yeah. stuff. I think the, the more you can incorporate into your life, the better you're going to feel. And, and whether those mechanisms are related to the microbiome, who knows? But who cares? If, if you feel amazing, you feel amazing. So and if, that's your, if that's your base template, then, you know, you'll find it again by living naturally. Yeah, and I think we are going full circle. Like what you mentioned before about how the modern world has affected our microbiome. I mean, the hygiene hypothesis was a big contributing factor, you know. I think yeah. at, from a very young age, um, everyone was trying to keep their children in a bubble and prevent any exposure. But obviously we need that that exposure to create the right gut flora and, and certainly um, help the development of the immune system. Yes. And the awareness is there now that, um, you know, we're not having to wash our hands every 25 seconds and that <laughs> the exposure to our natural environment can really contribute to a healthy microbiome. Yeah, definitely. And you've got to remember, it's. It, I mean, it's the same principle behind immunization. You can naturally immunize yourself. And I'm not saying um, the replacement for all that sort of stuff, but... Um, you know, it's like a natural form of immunization, being exposed to micro doses of potentially harmful bacteria. If you've got a healthy microbiome in place, like when you're a six-year-old playing around on the farm and you happen to pick up a parasite from some chic droppings or something, who knows? Um, you know, I certainly would have done that. We, we like grew up around farms and the beach and stuff like that. You, If you've got healthy microbes in place, they'll actually learn from that 
specific parasite and yeah. train the immune system to destroy it. Or if it's something like H. pylori, which actually needs to or actually is naturally occurring in most people and actually influences our hunger, satiety and all that sort of stuff, we'll learn to incorporate it into our body in a, in a healthy state, like the Yanomami example as well. So, you know, we could talk about the mechanisms behind it all day, but it's not, <laughs> if we can live natural as naturally as possible, we're giving ourselves more um, more cards in the drum. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you make a great point there. The researcher I mentioned before, Martin Blazer, he had yeah. a book called Missing Microbes, um, and he um, certainly supports the argument that H. pylori was an abundant bacteria in, say, the American um, digestive tract, but now it's quite rare due to things like antibiotic exposure and very hygienic living conditions, mm. um, whereas we certainly need that um, H. pylori to help with um, weight control and certainly preventing the um, pathway to obesity. Definitely. And he's got a really powerful quote that I included in my book. And I can't remember what exactly it is, but it's something like, um, in the future, we'll have kids lining up for shots of specific microbes <laughs> that, yeah, will, cool. that will train their immune systems. Like, it's, mm. it's really cool. And I think he paints a picture of what the future is going to look like Maybe in terms of how it. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. How old the giraffe. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Sorry. I assumed it was some toy or childhood character. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's a. I think it's a really, really good idea. Yeah, very cool. Such an amazing topic. I just wanted to touch on um, pre-birth and babies before we move um, forward. I know you and I have discussed um, seeding before, and certainly yeah. how the um, birth or the, the the final phase of birth via the vaginal canal can act like a bacterial baptism. The babies mm. get their their microbiome from their mum and certainly there's a big difference seen in C-section babies. Um, do you, like, what's your thoughts on that in relation to ongoing health and preventing obesity? Yeah, well, we're seeing, again, a lot of research, and this is obviously observational research because we're not going to intervene in that stage of life, but we're seeing that C-section babies, uh, according to the, the data, do have a lot a high risk of asthma, of obesity, mm. of allergies, and, and ADHD, and all these sort of different things. Okay, now that could be uh, due to, I would say it is, due to um, the fact that they're missing out on that microbial baptism, as mm. you talked about before. And that basically happens when the baby moves through the birth canal. The birth canal is, is filled with mum's bacteria. So again, we talked about mum here before. She's living around Grange, blah, 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 blah. She's got all those microbes in her that work well for that environment. She's going to pass those on to the baby so that the baby thrives in that environment as well. Now, when you uh, uh, perform a C-section where antibiotics are involved or when the baby is induced and all these different things. First of all, if when we use drugs, so when we use um, inducing drugs that we use pain relief drugs, those do have an impact on the microbiome. Okay, So even if you're having a natural birth and using those, it's still potentially um, opening up the door for some issues. When you have a C-section, you're completely bypassing that initial inoculation process. And as Julia Enders puts it, who's a microbiologist and wrote the book Gut, which is really quite fascinating to read, she talks about how some kids are ending up with bacteria from, you know, Nurse Susie's right thumb mm. in their system instead of mum's beneficial bacteria. Okay, now this is a potentially big issue because as we now know, the microbiome plays a huge role in how babies are growing up. Okay, so um, when, for instance, babies start to breastfeed, they don't have the, you know, the bifidobacteria, the lactobacillus bacteria in place, they might actually be intolerant to mum's milk. Okay, yeah. so then mum can't feed, can't feed the, the child properly. Okay, now that's obviously an issue too because we know how important breast milk is in terms of forming gut health and actually providing the, the child with very important antibodies 
closing up the gut lining after they're born and then obviously helping them grow and keeping them hydrated and all that sort of stuff and feeding the microbiome, okay? After about, I think it's after about eight hours, after mum has, you know, given birth and given all that colostrum to the young child, the gut actually closes up. So babies are born with a leaky gut because they need those important immune factors from colostrum to go into the bloodstream straight away. Now, once that happens, the gut closes up, then mum's milk actually starts to get sweet and sugary because the bacteria are meant to be there, those lactobacillus, the bifidobacteria, and they're hungry. You've got to feed them. So it goes sweet and it actually is meant to feed them. They multiply and they form that beautiful inner ecosystem, that rainforest that we talked about before. Baby can thrive. The baby can have a piece of fruit can have some apple juice and not die and go crazy and you know they can actually live a happy healthy life now we're disrupting that with all sorts of things and one of those things is c-sections okay because we're missing out now when we talk about uh, making up for a c-section okay obviously c-sections are not evil we know that okay that they can be life-saving a baby's coming coming the wrong way down the track you know that which can be caused by all sorts of things there are going to be some issues, okay? So C-sections are there for a reason. What people are opting to do now is to uh, seed, manually seed the baby. So that means take like a sort of cloth, soak it in the vaginal fluid, and actually pass it on to the baby. Now, that can be a good idea. But obviously, before that, we actually need to focus on actually having healthy microbes in mum's birth canal, okay? And that starts obviously pre-birth and and all that sort of stuff. But you could also at that time really um, knuckle down, and I think this is going to be sort of embraced more in the future, have some very important strains of of bacteria on hand for um, manual inoculation of baby anyway. And I think honestly, if I were to have a child, I think that's the way I'd go anyway. I'd still have those bacteria on hand to actually inoculate baby with because we know they're beneficial. Um, And that way you're setting up your child for a really for a really happy healthy life yeah absolutely it's not available in australia yet though is it not sure okay. i haven't looked into the uh the, the child situation at the moment i don't expect to for another 10 to 15 years thank you <laughs> <laughs> no i don't believe it's available in australia yet. i think it's happening um, certainly overseas um yeah. and australia will probably catch up in about 10 years time hopefully not <laughs> probably probably but i mean when you do a when you do a home birth i'm actually that's sort of i have limited uh philosophical standpoints on on the whole issue being a, a young male but um i think the more we can take control of our health overall, including uh, the birthing process. You know, a lot of people think a birth is an emergency where, you know, you have to go to the hospital, you have to be treated by a surgeon and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Contrary to that popular belief, uh, the birth is not an emergency, okay, and it can be done peacefully and calmly in the home. Um, I do know that much. But, you know, you've got to be comfortable with that. And I think um, taking control of that situation is something you definitely should do because, you know, you're the mum, you're the parent, you know, the doctor's not the parent. So you've got to be in control there and and make decisions, uh, make informed decisions based on what you know. So um, I think when we do that, then there's, there's really no limitations as to how you can, you can bring your child into this world. Yeah, that's a topic in itself. So I think certainly yeah. um, something we can touch on at a later stage. Yeah, yeah. And you're probably better off getting like a really nice holistic midwife or something on the show than, uh, than um, yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> but an interesting topic nonetheless. So I wanted to um, change tracks slightly but still on the topic of gut health and fat loss, of course. Now, recently we've seen that emerging popularity of multi-level marketing schemes and the biggest one in Australia is certainly Isagenics. Now, Mm. when I Googled why Isagenics doesn't work, I I just thought that some of the most hilarious statements need to be shared. So this is one that was actually... I want to hear this. (laughs) This is one that was actually in a review by um, Choice Magazine Um, and... The quote was, Isogenics doesn't work because it has discovered the exact ingredients, potions or pills that make you lose weight. It works because it forces you to eat less. Yes. So I think first things first, I wanted to talk about multi-level marketing and the, um, I guess, the product in itself um, and basically your thoughts on 
the ingredients, the influence on the microbiome. And also, you know, I don't want to simplify fat loss down to decreasing your calorie consumption. So we certainly want to go back to what we were talking about earlier about the microbiome and its influence on hormones and glucose metabolism and appetite and so on and so forth. Yeah, well, I think, look, I think every business is is allowed to make money. You know, we live in a in a capitalistic society. It should be okay for people to to make money. And and to be honest, I I think multi-level marketing is fine. I'm not I'm not against multi-level marketing. Um I think I think when when there's no product, it can be can be very easily sort of switched into a pyramid scheme and all that sort of stuff that's got that taint to it. Um, but certainly using that form of commerce to get to market, I don't have any issues with. So this is certainly not something that gets that. My whole thing is with the quality of the product. Okay, so the the, the product quality's got to be there, and um, I'm just sort of a little bit concerned with. People, I know it's it's hard to say. People get very enthused about the product for various reasons. Sometimes not just because it's very healthy. Okay, so um, you know, if we're reducing calorie intake over a long period of time, we're probably going to lose weight anyway. The issue with that is, of course, that is that you get hungry for a start and your body also starts to adapt and compensate for the, for the lower calorie um, state. And I'm just sort of looking through some of the ingredients now on some of the products and I have looked at them before and it's, you know, there's a lot of numbers on there and there's a lot of non-food items on there, which is a big concern for me. And my whole approach, as we've talked about, is, is you know, we can use real food to, to lose weight. That's the thing. We don't need to starve people and we certainly don't need to give them, you know, smoothies or, uh, sorry, actually just shakes uh, for a limited amount of time to, to lose weight. I think this is similar to the whole bariatric surgery um, situation or, you know, where we, where we ban the stomach and we we limit the space in the stomach. What that actually does, that's actually been shown to be the only uh, tried and true treatment for diabetes. Okay, now obviously there are others, but doctors say that's the only way we can actually cure diabetes in people. They can pretty much stop their insulin after they get that surgery done. Now what that does, that actually concentrates the amount of of beneficial bacteria into a smaller space so we get that healthier insulin response so that people can come off their insulin. It's a pretty amazing situation. But here's the thing, we can mimic that situation without getting the surgery done by restricting calories and by balancing our microbiome. Okay, you don't actually need to um, go on a shakes diet. Okay, Uh, Some people, as you would know, Steph, do go on a diet, what would seemingly be a very healthy diet, and they don't lose weight. Okay, now that is a sign to me that they're either stressed or that their microbiome is out of balance. So um, I think the best thing they can do in that situation, rather than starve themselves or just go on a bunch of different shakes and stuff with you know uh, sunflower oil and fructose and a, a whole Skin bunch of skim milk powder i'm just going through it now i mean there's a couple of good ingredients i'd look at it and be like oh that's good but then there's a few not not so good stuff but i think we're missing the point with real food education and it's 570 dollars for the first month is it Um, i didn't know that yeah yeah and then there's a maintenance program ongoing and i think what we really want to look at is a is the fat loss long term. I mean, anyone that cuts their calories for a short amount of time, um, who's got their, um, I guess, their stress controlled, will lose some weight. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't say anyone, but the majority, particularly if they're coming off a standard Australian diet. But mm. the point is, is a what we're doing to their metabolism so you know you're going to be slowing down their metabolism if they're losing muscle that will have detrimental effects as well but then what do they learn do they learn how to cook and food prep and eat real food i I doubt it so yeah it's a big issue three hundred dollars a month for maintenance which um you know basically indicates there's nothing that's actually been achieved 
because mm. if they change their lifestyle um, from yeah. taking shakes daily, their, their body weight or their health, inverted commas, will go back to where it was before they started the cleanse. Yeah, yeah, I, def- I definitely think. I think a lot of the, I suppose, success stories that would come out of it, um, at least from what I've seen on the social media and all that sort of stuff, I've had a lot of people, you know, approach me with the big opportunities and all that sort of stuff, which is fine. Um, and I sort of see there is more of a big change in mindset once they lose the weight. So there's that, wow, my life has changed. And then they start to embrace the other health principles. So I suppose uh, one of their big arguments is that this is a gateway to health. And you know what? If you've got a good gateway to health, that's fine. The issue with this is the success the success stories are glorified and the failure stories are glossed over and because someone didn't do it right or it didn't just work for this person. So we're seeing the highlight reel basically um, when, when we see all these different things. And, you know, that's, yeah, it's marketing, you know. that That's just it's basic marketing, which is fine. Again, you know, we live in a capitalistic society, but if we're trying to sell um, or push these lean bars with uh, cane juice syrup and, and sugar and, and milk fat and, and genetically modified ingredients and all these preservatives and stuff as being healthy and a good gateway to health, then I think we're probably missing the point. You know, if, if it takes you two years to get to a healthy weight and you do it healthily as opposed to getting there in three months and then you just pour it all back on, you know, I'd much rather go for the first option, you know, because like you said, people are learning to cook. They're learning to appreciate whole foods and real foods as opposed to getting that quick fix. But that's the society we live in now. And that's why this company has done so well and they've been so smart in their marketing is because we live in a society now where people are not ready to prioritize real food. They don't have time. Okay. that They do have time. They just don't prioritize it. And they really don't have the willpower, okay? And that can be for various reasons. It, be, it can be because they are stressed, can be because they have an imbalance of bad bacteria which which force them to crave sugar. And we talked about the immune system before when, you know, the body's in that activated mode, the blood sugar has to stay high and the insulin levels stay high because it's fueling that active immune system and that causes them to crave sugar. So there's all these sort of issues with that and, you know, this has become the the quick fix, unfortunately. But again, um, nothing against the marketing that's always going to happen. You know, we've got companies marketing all over the place and at least this is giving back to people, I suppose, a little bit more. But if we're looking at quality of, of product, then I'm, I'm going to have to say it's it's not good at all, unfortunately. <laughs> but, yeah, I yeah, I mean, you, you're the nutritionist, so I mean, you would look at it a little bit more um, scientifically than I would, but yeah. I just see too many numbers and too much, too, not, not enough real food. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't be as polite um, as you are, <laughs> but that's okay. I just I remember early days, like I think it was 2013 or early 2014, I wrote a Facebook post um, that went absolutely viral. It was seen by nearly half a million people and I certainly copped it because, you know, I believe isogenics is set up a little bit like a cult. Once they're in, they think it's the best thing ever, hashtag nutritional cleansing, and they want all their clients to do it. Um, And so, you know, when, when you, I guess, speak against that and put it in such a public forum like Facebook, Um, people are very quick to react and share with you um, how dumb they think you are because they've had such great (laughs) results. But I don't think we need to be a rocket scientist to read the ingredient label and understand that perhaps there is a better option. And also, I mean, life's too short to drink your food. I think we can get amazing nutrients, beautiful food that's nutritious and delicious, and obviously the behavioural and educational aspects that – make you healthy long-term. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with that, I think people, that, that's beyond just, that's beyond just isogenics. We could talk about veganism with, with cultish diets. We could talk about even paleo people with cultish diets and, and CrossFit with cultish exercise. Um, this just happens because people start to identify with something and they attribute uh, changes in their lives to something in particular and it makes them passionate about it, which is fine. But, I think it's a problem with accepting people for for who they are because isogenics is not going to work for everyone. Just like 
um, just like my gut healing protocol won't work for everyone. You know, it's um, and we could talk about what's better and what's not, but until we start accepting what people are going to do without being attached to it, we're always going to have this this big conflict and stuff. And until we can actually um, do that, we're gonna we're gonna discourage people from sharing their opinion, which is not a good thing. We're gonna discourage people from questioning the norms, which is obviously not a good thing. Um, so we need to just be open. And you know, if you're if you are involved with isogenics and someone doesn't like it, so what? You know, I'm involved with what about, a gut healing protocol and some people say, well, you know, you have bone broth in there and I'm vegan, I can't do it, so it's it's crap. Well, that's fine. You know, I'm not attached to that. We just need to let it go. So, you know, it's we could go on with some big philosophical standpoints, but again, when it comes down to losing weight and getting healthy, the best answer, as always, is going back to Mother Nature or, or God, if, if you're that way inclined, because you have all these beautiful natural foods that are available that when you align yourself with your metabolic needs and your biological needs, you actually d- will fall into your healthy weight range. You know, a side effect of getting healthy is that you fall into your healthy weight range. How good is that? You know, so start doing some exercise size start eating lots of salads and, and eating real foods if you want to drink liquids that or eat liquids and and whatever make a green smoothie you know and and put some whey protein in there or put some pea protein in there if, if you're looking for a higher protein thing and you can mimic that without having to add in all these not so ideal additives and stuff because you know if you're expecting if you want food or or so or fake food to last on the shelf for 12 months you have to add in all these preservatives okay so they're not doing it because they're somehow evil they're actually saying okay we've got to make this product last and we don't want it to have pathogens in it we don't want you know bacteria to grow in it so we're going to have to stabilize it somehow and their decision has been to use some maybe not so ideal additives and stuff okay so if we're going to do that that's just that's just naturally um, inherent in that industry in the processed food industry the advantage of growing your own food or buying fresh from the markets or this or the stores and whatnot is that those foods don't have that Okay, so that's really what we need to emphasize. And that's why I love what Pete Evans is doing because he's like, you can do whatever you want, but hey, look, this is real food. This is how Mother Nature intended and this is how I like to eat because, you know, it works for him and it works for a lot of people. So, yeah, I mean, we could talk about diet cults all day. I know (laughs) I've complained about this with you before because people attack me as well, but you just got to let go. It's yeah, like, you do. You know, but, I mean, they certainly yeah. don't need to make it a personal attack on your character. I no, think that's they where will, it goes though. too yeah. far. But, yeah, bottom hmm. line is we build the foundation with real food and addressing the microbiome. And certainly yes. I think let's stop looking for a quick fix because you don't need to pay, pay your money. You don't need to pay your money for health in a box or a packet. No, I would much rather see $500 a month or whatever, go towards the the grocery bill for real foods. And if you're shopping at local markets and organic markets and you're buying fruit and veg and meat, you're not going to spend $500 anyway unless you've got five kids. So, um, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of execs sort of people who, who have done this and and still still didn't get the results. They didn't address the stress. They didn't address all the other stuff involved with their with their health. And, again, I'm a big fan of supplements as well. So, you know... I would probably much better off get some people to buy some probiotics and and stuff like that and get their gut health in order before they start trying to flush themselves with, um, what have we got here? All sorts of stuff, cane juice, yeah, peanuts, too much sugar. It's just too much sugar. Crazy. That's going to throw off the microbiome. That's why a lot of the food companies started putting so much sugar in their products is because they found that when they dump a whole bunch of refined sugar into a product, it completely wipes out all the bacteria in the product and can last a really long time. So if you're interested in wiping out your microbiome, then consume a lot of sugar and that includes fructose, corn syrup, which is in here. It includes cane juice syrup and molotol syrup all in the one thing and then huge amounts of fruit which we don't need so much of you know you're meant to eat fruit fresh off the tree in season so yeah it's 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 a different mindset this is it that's the biggest thing it's it's changing mindset it's like can you take responsibility well if you can't here's an option for you that's kind of where 
um, isogenics have come in with their solution to a big problem because people don't want to prioritize health and they don't want to take responsibility for the health because you know what we're so forgiving in the whole health realm you know we've got everyone's got this mthfr gene everyone's got this low thyroid blah 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 blah. you know what you've been if you're at that stage you know and you're 40 years old you've had what 30 or 20 years at least of being in charge of what you eat how about we we go back to basics first take control of what you eat see where you end up after a year or two and then start to look at you know maybe some some hardcore interventions because until you've done the basics until you've made that sort of foundational approach a bit of a priority we're always going to be borrowing from tom to pay sam you know it's just it's it's short term yeah absolutely very good so it's always been um or as always it's been fantastic to chat with you today um so tell us about uh somewhere where you can direct our listeners to to start working on their gut i believe you've got a free ebook available Yes, thank you. So we've got the um, Five Steps to Healing Your Gut ebook, which is free when you sign up at kalebrock.com, K-A-L-E-B-R-O-C-K, just one and a half vegetables like the, like the vegetable. Um, so you can jump along there and you can sign up. And if you don't like it, you can unsubscribe. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff on there about fermented foods and stuff. And I'm just about to release my uh, eight-week gut healing protocol ebook. Uh, sorry, it's not an even even an ebook. It's actual. It's an actual book. So that that's coming soon as well, which I'm really excited about. You know, you and I have been it's been speaking about that. Well, how's your book going? Well, hang on, everyone's yeah. Don't put me on the spot here. Everyone's <laughs> just hanging out for your book. Yeah, I know. I've got to start to put some <laughs> deadlines in place. I think it's um the contents there. It's just about getting um the design and then the print done now. So. Not too far away. Well, that's yeah, that's not too far away. Why don't we? Why don't we publicly like encourage a deadline right now? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's what you were doing. <laughs> when can we see it? What's going on? <laughs> I'm just waiting for the book deal. Actually, <laughs> if anyone's listening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, you should go independent. That, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, independent. For sure. Six, mm. way to go. <laughs> but yeah, calbrog.com, and it's you know it's always fun coming on here because. Um, you and I walk to the walk to the beat of the same drum, and uh, it's good having a chat with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for your time, mate, and I will speak to you very soon. Lovely. Are you full of health and wellness information yet struggling to implement into your daily life? Or do you have your health sorted out but struggling to integrate it with your other areas of your life? We've surveyed a number of Wellness Couch fans and recognize that this is the biggest challenge that most of you face in daily life. How do you turn your knowledge into action in a lifestyle? Enter the Wellness Breakthrough. For three days and two nights in February, eight of your Wellness Couch favorites are gathering in Melbourne for one incredible event, and we just have three spots left. Entry to the Wellness Breakthrough is by application only. To apply, simply go to thewellnessbreakthrough.com. And apologies in advance if you apply and we're all sold out. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.